We're back to Neil Haley's show. And you know what? I, I, the real life Jerry Maguire's here. I just can't believe it. I'm excited to welcome sports agent Sean Stilato. I, and Sean, thanks for stopping by. You have a tremendous honor of entering the National Italian American Sports Hall of Fame. But we're going to get into how you became a sports agent. How are you, Sean? I'm fantastic, Neil. Thanks for having me. Blessed. I always say too blessed to be stressed. All right, so let's just jump right into this, Sean. Specifically, why did you want to become a sports agent? Was this a, always a dream of yours growing up? I'll be honest with you, Neil. If I could still be playing football, I, I would. Uh, you know, played 20 years, played Division One football and basketball, played three years in the pros. And um, I, I just love the game. And uh, I had a couple agents I hired and fired. Uh, so being able to vicariously live through some of my guys, I would say is cool, but uh, I have a passion for the game of football now. It's been a huge part of my life. It's brought me places I never would have been before, went to before. So let's go right to it, Sean. Football. Like, how did you make the pros? How did that process go? Yeah, you know, my dad at six years old gave me a football. And he said, hey, you're not going to be the biggest kid. You're not going to be the fastest kid. This is this is football. This has got to be your compass. You know, uh, we, I didn't, you know, hit, hit the ovarian lottery. You know, we, uh, we were humble beginnings, eight of us, three bedroom house. And, um, I just really used my tenacity, uh, my, my approach, my goal setting. I had role models, you know, my mom and dad worked tremendously hard. Grandparents came over on the boat from Italy and, um, I knew my opportunity was going to be through sports. And, um, I try to leverage that I, I'm five, nine, I'm not six, 10, like yourself, but I took that five, nine and played like I was six, four and, um, had some great coaches along the way, great teammates, uh, but just knew that, you know, what it would be a big part of my life and really use the platform of sport. Cause let's face it. It's a language everyone understands. And, um, it's definitely put me in, in a different type of uh, bucket and I've been able to enjoy the journey through sport. Let's talk about college football. Where did you play college football? So I played at Marist. Um, it's a Jesuit school, small division one on the Hudson, um, had an offer to university of Richmond. Uh, mom doesn't fly. Uh, I grew up in Salem, Massachusetts. So it was either, you know, to her and I, and I know my parents, they would literally go to China if I was playing and they would go the boat and take the train all the way through Europe. Uh, they did it with arena football. So I uh, played football and basketball there. I uh, had a solid career and, and you know, great memories uh, playing at Marist. All right. So I want to kind of go more deeper into this specifically playing at Marist, a free agent. I played uh, arena football. So arena. post, yeah. Yep. So my last college season, we played Florida Atlantic 10 days after 9-11. Uh, down in Florida. And, uh, you know, I had had a solid year and I had opportunities uh, to, to go play arena football afterwards. And um, I gave it really technically I had a three year gap, but I gave, you know, my wife at the time, uh, you know, I said, hey, I want two two years to try to get to the NFL. And I came up a little short, um, but look at I got paid to play football. I, I you know, I, I my old arena coach is the head coach of Louisville, Jeff Brom. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, the owner of the uh, owner of our team was, uh, Will Wolford, the, the blind side four Super Bowls with the Buffalo bill. So everything nail was the same, except the dollars at the end of the paychecks. Okay. I, so I the like zero, the, zero the, at the experience end of, of just saying you're going to go for it because not everyone even plays arena football. There's a big tryout and stuff, right? It's not easy to get in. Right. Oh, it is. And I always kind of compared arena ball to like double triple a baseball, 
Um, and you no, know, there's a, a lot of my teammates were on and off NFL rosters. Um, and, and it is and a lot of coaches played, you know, uh, John Forcade played with the saints, Jeff Brom, he, he played, uh, who Jeff played with, he was with the 49ers backed up Steve young. So there's a serious pedigree and let's face it, arena ball. You're like a, a ping pong in a, in a football, Kurt Warner, the, the face of arena football. Um, so there's definitely David Patton want to ring with the Patriots, you know, God rest his soul, the late David Patton. Um, but it was definitely a great opportunity, good springboard. And the thing I liked about arena ball was the intimate relationship with the fans. Cause you were right on top of each other. Absolutely. And so when you played arena ball, did you like that whole thing? Cause in college you, you have crowds, but now you have really fans that are like, really, you know, they're coming to see you play. It's gotta be cool. Right. It was cool. I was always the last one to leave the field afterwards. They'd let the fans on signing autographs. I, I did a, a really cool experience at St. Jude's. Um, my late coach Danton Bartow brought us by there, and we had a day at St. Jude's, and it was just a, a it was a changing moment for me in terms of what these kids were going through. And I made it my lifelong passion. One of the prerequisites of being a sports agent and bringing a guy on is they got to have a civic and a philanthropy, you know, a philanthropy, but, but part of them too, because I think it's that goes with the the title of professional athlete and giving back. All right, so let's talk about, did you always have that mindset then after football was over to be a yeah. sports agent? I, You know what? It's funny. So I had a chance to be a GA uh, that I, I flirted with, and I knew I wanted to marry my college sweetheart um, and wanted to have kids. And I said, you know what? Is it going to be fair if I'm coaching in Idaho? And next thing you know, we're fired. I got to move to Arkansas. So I said, you know what? I'm going to put my hat in the ring and uh, it, it, competitive industry. There's only this look at 7.9 billion people on the planet, give or take. There's there's 1,696, uh, give or take, active NFL football players. There's over 800 agents. Not a lot of you know bait. Uh, not a lot of fish in the sea. So um, I knew I loved the game that much. I love I love autonomy too, and I wanted to build it my way, brick by brick. Um, and to answer your question, I saw the movie Jerry Maguire, my senior high school, and I said, you know what? This is a pretty cool job, um, and I, I can I can I can do this. I know I can. But I'll tell you, the early years were were very challenging. Um, but you know, my own company, it's I just celebrated ten years, been in the game eighteen, um, so we're we're making way. You know, I'm 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 doing it, and I'm passionate. And I'm helping you know mold these young men as well. So how did you go out and say I'm the agent for you? Okay. Cause you know, you look at Jerry Maguire, you look at ballers, ballers a little different, but it did show really a lot of the sports agent process as well on ballers. Uh, and you, you see these things, it's all about building a relationship and saying, you're really looking out for that person. Right. Being yeah. And they, everyone asked me, did you watch balls? I'm like, I know they're, I don't, they're actors. It's not I, what I go through is 50 times more challenging. Um, you know, no disrespect. They're actors. They're good at what they do. Uh, but in terms of if they had a bird's eye view of how I go about it, it's completely unorthodox. Um, but yes, it is a relationship based business. Uh, and let's face it, you know, the average lifespan of an NFL player is only 3.3 years. So, you know, in terms of monetizing contract value and branding them, I mean, it all goes kind of together. Uh, but a lot of these guys, you know, early on, they think it's forever. You know, it's really a heartbeat. You, you, these guys, like, when they retire, they, I believe it's like 8.2% of the NFL is over 30 years old. Um, so you don't, you, you know, it's a young man's game and it's about getting to the, the second and third contract because the, the first contract, unless you go the first round, you know, the second rounds, the first two years are fully guaranteed. And then that, 
guarantee component drastically changes, Neil. How did you make yourself out of the box and really well known? Because you, know, you said there's a lot of sports agents, right? So yeah, how did- I, I, you know, uh, making myself well known. I think, uh, you know, I, I might be the only agent that will go in with a fedora on. I, so I had to create my own identity. Uh, I get knocked here and there for it, but it's all good fun. I, I think just you know, really creating a niche, um, like any you know, whether it's Google or whether it's you know the the New England Patriots. You know, everyone has their own secret sauce. Um, so I think really just, you know, being passionate and um, I, I'm a pretty good evaluator of talent as well. Uh, I think that's important because let's face it, just because you go out there and you score 20 touchdowns in college and, you know, run for 1500 yards doesn't mean that's going to equate to success in the National Football League. Um, teams spend millions of dollars evaluating players, but let's face it, Dale, you're an athlete. A lot of good players fall through the cracks. So, you know, I've got guys, you know, on my roster from guys that in nine years in the NFL that, you know, were unemployed their first two years out of college to, you know, draft picks to all to all pros. So they've they definitely range in terms of where they came from. And it makes their story pretty unique. So how challenging is the prospecting process and then people now jumping in as a sports agent to find that person, say, I'm going to represent them? Yeah, it's it's very, very cutthroat, very challenging. Um, definitely I don't try to deter anybody young, uh, you know, person from getting in to be a sports agent, but the games change drastically. You obviously got to compete against, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in the industry. Uh, you know, my, my old arena coach used to always say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, um, I, I don't, you know, I'm ethically, I, I know I can look myself in the mirror. I have four months, five months to feed. So, uh, you know, everything's above board. Uh, but, you know, I guess too, Neil, you know, everyone's wired differently. You're going to sit in front of a young man, his goals, his desires, his passions, what he wants might be different than yours. And I think, that, you know, through time and through that relationship, you get to see, you know, either you're going to grow and evolve with a player or, you know, it's going to be a non-reciprocal or, uh, you know, relationship, which I, I don't think will flourish. Uh, it's so, all about the results, right? Yes, it results. is. Because, cheap, you know, man. if you're the first person you rep, if they're not getting deals, that next person's not signing with you. Am I right? Without a doubt. It's a results-oriented business. And if you're not, you know, getting it done for them, yeah, you're you're sleeping with one eye open. You're you're in a shark tank. But in terms of if you get it done and you pat and you and you know what you, you know, you've got the human capital, the knowledge, skills, and ability, you have the relationships, you know, you can really you can make things happen. And that's really uh, the secret to my success is just going out there, being proactive and, and just having a lot of passion for what I do. So a sports agent first gets the contract, but that's not as big as getting the endorsement deals. Right. And and looking at maybe they have a foundation or making sure that they're really well known in the community with different opportunities so that life after football is there, too. Right. What, there, there's so many more roles than people think than just getting the contract. Yeah, multiple layers. You have obviously the contract, then you have the whole marketing endorsement side of things. Then you got the civic work, giving back, you know, all that goodwill. Um, I think that carries, a, a, you know, I don't really, if you try to quantify what what is that value, all those intangibles. Um, so that goes, I think, hand in hand. So there's multiple layers um, with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's other ways to monetize. Look at the NIL, it's changing up the game a little bit, name, image, and likeness. Uh, as we talked about a little bit prior to the, the kickoff of this. Um, so, um, but I think in terms of invisibility, getting out there in the community is important. Like I said, 
um, letting people know, because let's face it, basketball, your game, it was my game too. I played D1 hoop too. But um, let's face it, football, you're wearing a helmet. You're shielded. So a lot of times your your fans, people can't really see the human out human element under the 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 mask. And I think that's important to go out there because you know your jersey's gonna sell a little bit more, your social currency is gonna increase a little bit more, and your book could potentially be a bestseller someday, right? So all those different things. So tell us who some of the people you rep, and then we're going to jump right into the, the honor of this Hall of Fame, because I was just reading the press release, and it's a tremendous honor you probably never thought you would ever imagine getting. But I want to know some of the people you're repping. Yeah, you know, Chris Manhurt, starting tight end for the Denver Broncos. Uh, great player. Uh, he's in year eight, um, probably one of the best blocking uh, football players in the uh, tight ends in the National Football League. What's unique about Chris Neal, his first time playing football in his life was in the NFL. He was a Division One hooper. Um, so, yeah, so very interesting. Andrew DePaul are all pro with the Vikings. You know, uh, who else we got? Uh, Tommy DeVito's getting his first start. Uh, no relationship to Joe Pesci on Goodfellas. Uh, he's starting for the Giants Sunday night against the Cowboys. So Sunday afternoon. So we're excited about that. And then I got uh, some journeymen guys, guys that get their dirty, their uniforms dirty, and a talented football players uh, might not be high profile guys, but uh, they're all pros in my eyes. And you know they're obviously look at there's only sixteen hundred ninety six jobs, so they're doing a lot of great things on the football field and uh, increasing their value weekly. Let's talk about the NIL. Just your take on this. Are you? Do you have any at stake in that? Are you working with anybody on that end? Or are yeah, you I, 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 no, great, great question, Neil. The NIL, I do work with a couple guys, um, young men. Um, in terms of, let's face it, there's, it's definitely changing it up. It's very ambiguous with regards state to state. Um, but in terms of, look at, like, if you go out there and you play at a high level, your market is going to be a lot higher than a guy that doesn't really go out there and make as many plays as you are. You see the quarterbacks, you know, quarterback last year uh, for Clemson, he had like a million dollar, I think, Bo Jingles deal. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, I just don't know how your offensive linemen feel about that, if it creates animosity, if it divides locker rooms. Uh, but the collectives in terms of the portal, guys are moving around a lot. Um, so that's a recruiting tool for a lot of guys too. Um, uh, but I mean, look at, do I feel that guys should be paid? I mean, if, if they're the NCA is monetizing off of them and there's a lot of tickets being sold, I think it's just fair, but I think, I think it's very ambiguous, ambiguous. I wish it was a little clearer, uh, on some things. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure through time it's going to get tighter. It's going to get more polished and, um, guys are going to get even bigger deals. There's not a lot on the internet about this either. Really? No. It's. It's not. It's like a best kept secret. And a lot of people that couldn't be like you as a sports agent for professionals, the NIL gives an opportunity for people that really don't have that background. I don't know if that's good or bad or what's going to happen in the overall thing. And then when you're recruiting new people in that maybe had someone that was representing them for the NIL, it's more about, hey, did they really get treated well? Because the thing is, I'm seeing a change in college football and the fact that schools that are winning are the ones that have the best boosters, have the best situation. It was almost the same. But now if you look at the rankings, you're really seeing the bigger schools are just dominating, almost like what Major League Baseball. Have you noticed that? I, I see that change. I don't know if we're going to see that in college basketball. It's it's a great point you bring up. And I think uh, you, you, you hit it right on the head. So I think in terms of you know, look at what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado. I know he probably wants a few more wins, but I mean, he's, 
he's going to get bigger recruits and he's really, uh, I mean, he's a recruiting, I mean, he's prime time, man. He played the game game like no one else. Uh, and now we, he's, he's in his space as a, as a coach and uh, probably a lot of players to dream come true to play for someone like that. He truly cares. And he, he's going to, he's going to be able to leverage a lot of things for these kids and change a lot of lives. It's going to be exciting over the next couple of years. What's crazy is I'm talking so much more sports now, thanks to the, again, the actor strike where I can't interview actors. So it's go yeah. figure my celebrity. It's all athletes all the time. NFL is my big thing the last month and a half. Go figure. Let's well, talk about this whole honor. You know, I, I mean, reading the press release and hearing the likes who are part of the National Italian American Sports Hall of Fame, the, the, the icons, Joe Montana, Vince Lombardi, Joe DiMaggio, Mario Andretti and all these and Dan and Dan Marino. Can you know? I mean, it's to be with those likes, man, you never dreamed that was going to happen, right? Playing sports. No, you know, it's crazy because you play sports. Obviously, some guys are talented in other areas and God obviously blessed me with a huge heart, big time work ethic and just a tremendous amount of passion. But being Italian, that was always the root of all dreams for us was family. And to be stand on the shoulders of those names it's surreal i mean i got the call i cried like a uh, like a baby um reading the letter to my dad you know my dad's my hero uh you know he's taught me so much uh lost his dad to leukemia at 18 it was just like wow and then my kids you know i got i got daughters i'm a girl dad you know um so letting them able to see like hey man you work hard like you know and, and it just really validates what I preach to them is, you know, actions speak louder than words and family. And um, they're all amazing in their own right. But uh, my ancestors being able to preserve the legacies of those who came over on the boat with, with nothing, you know, third class, the lowest means of, uh, you know, you know, travel and um, to, you know, they're, they're preached what they were all about work ethic and the core values they brought over the Atlantic. And I'm just blessed um fortunate and i'm so grateful i have so much gratitude in my heart for my heritage um obviously uh, we're going to celebrate you know that night but it's you know i'm an underdog um uh, that's what i i really am and to be able to get this honor is it's it's pretty special but this is more it's not me just accepting the honor it's it really wow. takes a village and um i've had some a couple amazing coaches my brother, my oldest brother was my first coach. Uh, he's 12, 13 years older. I had a prep school coach, Hugh Caldera, and I, I had an opportunity to go to boarding school for a year when my life wasn't looking too good. And I got a full scholarship and the owners of the Giants went there and that changed the trajectory of everything. It made me a lifelong learner. And it so happens to be the coach, Coach Caldera, being Paisan, he took a liking to me and he gave me the ball. And I'll tell you, he gave me an opportunity, Bill, if it wasn't for that year. And then you know, like I said, I turned a lot into a mile, but um, football is the ultimate team sport in representing guys. I'm only as good as my players. I got to deliver for them. And that's I take pride in doing that. Well, I'm proud of you. This is amazing. Again, when is the movie coming out? Your your story? We'll wait for that to happen. Uh, movie you have script, a couple of books, not... too. You have a book, yeah, books too, right? Yeah, I do. So uh, No Backing Down is kind of like a Harry. Excuse me. It's like a Friday Night Lights meets a team of Rudy's. Um, the writer of Rudy wrote the first draft, the writer of age of Adeline rewrote it. The movie script is done. You mentioned about the actors striking. And so it's been quiet out there. So I'm holding it patiently. And when the time's right, we're going to get it out. Uh, book is in the uh, pro football Hall of fame's library. It's in the, uh, 
New England Patriots uh, Hall of Fame. So it's it's kind of cool there, but um, it, that's my passion project. And and just like the, it's Salem Mass, the witches, you know, there was a major teacher strike. I played with some great guys. I'm preserving the legacies of my teammates. You know, I was the quarterback. My grandmother was dying. And I'll challenge any movie out there, Bill, that has characters this colorful, uh, divine intervention, personal tragedies, miraculous wins. And then my daughter, Gianna, she suffers from juvenile arthritis. We were going to Boston Children's and she was blowing up joints and knees. And I said, Gianna, what can we do to start a movement? She said, Daddy, let's write a children's book. So we wrote the football magic series. And it's kind of it's a, it's it was very therapeutic for us. And it's a great message, but really used as a tutorial to educate families on autoimmune diseases in children. And then my other daughter, Sophia, who's a level 10 gymnast, she suffers from celiac disease. And we wrote a picture book. And one of the main characters is an Italian grandma. And it's um, it takes place in Salem, but it's a beautiful story. So we've got a few different options for the readers. Um, but I, you know. I didn't, there wasn't a lot of things I read as a kid that really resonated with me. So putting that out there and I do a lot of speaking engagements, it's just, uh, it's very, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be in that situation to help kids and do it with my kids. All right. Do you have a podcast? That's the next thing. You seem like you have a skill set to have your own podcast. <laughs> you know what? We did a little, we did a little podcasting during COVID and uh, I definitely would like to take it back. Uh, but it, it was good. I had some good characters on there and, uh, I, you know, I utmost respect for, for people like yourself that's got that talent. And um, I mean, it's great bringing, you know, like-minded people that are that making, you know, changing the game in their space and hearing the narrative. It's, it's pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, and, and, it's in the mood, it's in the works. There's yeah. tons of things in the works. So many projects, so much of a legacy, best place people can connect with you. Where can they go? Yeah, if they go to uh, seanstilato.com or you can uh, find me on Instagram at Sean, S-E-A-N, Stilato, S-T-E-L-L-A-T-O-S-E-S, or uh, Twitter's just Sean Stilato. And um, I try to put good content out there. Uh, you know, they say a picture is tell a thousand words. So uh, we got some cool stuff that we put out. But I, I love, you know, obviously meeting people and my big thing, you know, Bill, making people feel good, whether it's a book, whether it's the word of advice, whether it's some inspiration, um, you know, I'm passionate about boxing. My uncle, my late uncle, Frankie Steele Stilato, he was a pro boxer, went to the Olympic trials. So hopefully maybe uh, in the future, you know, there'll be a, a charity three round boxing, you know, match. I can call out another agent and, <laughs> and we can have a little Rocky Balboa. Um, but, uh, but no, all good, but, uh, yeah, it's been a fun run, a lot of mountains still to climb and I'm just, uh, fortunate. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I got a client playing tonight for the Panthers, um, in the Windy City. We'll see. Hopefully he can go uh, make some noise. All right. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much. All the best. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and celebrity interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, you know, I'm doing great, Neil. How about yourself? I'm also looking forward to speaking to a fellow podcaster in just a moment. Absolutely. More than just a fellow podcast, former NFL player, son of the great Phil Sims, Matt Sims. Matt, how are you? And uh, I guess that's always hard to hear that, right? It's good to hear it, but it's a challenge, right? To look up to your, your father's shadows in so many ways, right? Uh, if you were speaking to the teenage version of me, you know, I would absolutely say yes, uh, because uh, that version of me, you know, young, a lot of testosterone, angry about the world. But, uh, you know, the younger or more mature version of me now, uh, just honored that, uh, you know, I, I can say that because my father is a, is a great man and to 
to try to fill in his shoes as best as I can is a tough, tough task, but uh, I'm up for it. All right. Good, Greg. First question. Uh, that's pretty amazing. So what, uh, What? well, I'm going to say probably your dad got you thinking about being in the <laughs> NFL is my guess, right? Is that right? Yeah, it's fair to say that my environment was very uh, conducive to uh, loving the game of football and, and obviously just trying to be uh, around the game as much as possible. I'm extremely grateful, too, that uh, my father and my brother were both just, uh, you know, unbelievable players and, and great inspirations for me, too. And then so you talk about your brother, too, playing in the NFL. So he was he was first, right? Isn't that correct, Matt? Uh, yes, my brother's eight years older than I am, and, and I like to tell people that uh, I was born in 88, and I tell people all the time that I was, uh, you know, the Super Bowl celebration after he won the MVP in 86, uh, since they played the Super Bowl in 87, he won the MVP, and uh, in my mind, I, I like to think that I was the uh, the Super Bowl MVP celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what, what was your favorite part about playing football in general, and then specifically in the NFL? Uh, just the sport, you know, what it teaches you, the values that it instills in you, all the great people that I've met through the years has just been phenomenal. And uh, it, it's one of those things. And, and as cliche as it is, you, you just you can't appreciate it enough while you're in it. You know, you're so engrossed into what you're doing, your day to day tasks. And, uh, you know, you really don't uh, appreciate all the great things that it, that it gives to your life. Uh, until it is over. And uh, what's great, though, is I can look back at my career with, with great fondness, uh, even with my failures and, and my many successes, all the things that I've learned and the people that I, that I uh, had the opportunity to get to know and experience. Why did you choose the University of Tennessee? What was? <laughs> yeah, well, I was a journeyman. I actually uh, started at the University of Louisville. Um, you know, got in a little bit of trouble there. Uh, you know, really, unfortunately for me, just smoked too much weed and failed a drug test. So I was not trusted or, or, you know, for the coaching staff there, I transferred to a junior college in California. Um, and from there just restarted my recruiting campaign. And fortunately enough, the university of Tennessee, uh, you know, came knocking and, uh, it, it was a great opportunity to play in the sec at the time that I thought was the highest level of college football you could play at. And uh, I wanted to go in and, and do my best to compete against the best in the world. And it, it served me great for the NFL. Well, that's great. That's uh, that's fun. What what do you miss about not playing in, in the NFL right now? And what do you like best about what you are doing? Uh, you know, what I miss, it, it's the list is too long. And, and I guess the number one thing would probably be just, uh, you know, the the brotherhood that the game uh, it involves, you know, getting to know people and playing a sport that is so highly competitive and so difficult with, with people from all different types of backgrounds. Uh, it's just something that it, it's hard to encapsulate the power that that has while you're playing. But it is definitely something that I miss tremendously. Uh, just those relationships with those people, uh, you know, from the training room to the to the strength room, the coaches, the players. Uh, all, all the people in management that have a great impact on you too and instill wisdom in you, whether you know it or not. So uh, that that's definitely the the few things that I miss. And right now, uh, currently doing this podcast with uh, with my father, Big Phil, called Sims Complete. Uh, we we talk about football and discuss football on a daily basis at his house or whether we're out at dinner or hanging out with with family. And we just said, hey, why not share, you know, our conversations with the world and enjoy it and 
And uh, it's been a great, great uh, moment for, for both of us too to have that father and son time, you know, discussing a, a game that we love so much. How much did he media train you? Because you're really good. <laughs> doing. I mean, uh, I guess so. That, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm, you know, as full of it as he is. Um, the good thing is, is that we're authentic and we enjoy the game and uh, we, we do our best to to share our love and passion for the game as much as we possibly can. And I think that when you're authentic, you you hopefully come across that that same way to the people that are viewing or listening to your shows. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm a quarterback, too. So we're, we're politicians, <laughs> man. You know, we, we know how to talk to the media. <laughs> some co some quarterbacks, I don't want to talk about the Steelers. Oh, that's some of them, uh, the Steelers backup. You know, yeah, but, you know, and I know how, you know, um, amazing certain people are in the media. But what is it? Where does it come from? You know, I had Tyler Palco on my show and, you know, because of his dad and all that. He's just really right. good at that quarterback talk. But you're more media. I wouldn't say you have a quarterback talk you're more really <laughs> learned from the guru phil that came in and you know was a quarterback but really when you listen to him now he sounds like the best one of the best sports analysts out there you know uh, about breaking down football and just doing it so well yeah we we definitely uh our family thinks so and uh you know it, it just stems too from all the hard work that he puts in every week i mean that guy he's you know, he might as well be a coach for the amount of time that he spends in the film room, you know, in his little dungeon there. It's all dark, you know, and he's just got the the one light from the laptop from the the film that he's watching. And uh, he just puts so much hours into it and, and prepares himself, uh, honestly, probably too much to the extent where TV doesn't even do it justice since those segments are so quick on television. And, and that's why the podcast, I think, is perfect for him, too, because it gets a. Uh, it gets all that stuff that he wants to share with viewers and, and everyone out there. He gets all that stuff out of him for that podcast. And and uh, it, it's been great. And, you know, that that's what's so fun about the sport is, is the fact that, you know, my father and I, you know, totally different generations of viewing it. Uh, but at the same time, just the 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 foundation of the game still remains true and, and we can still enjoy those uh, things that are similar but yet different from my experience to what I, what I uh, experienced in the NFL and, and now today. Well, do you, um, you have any other projects you're working on in conjunction with the podcast with your dad or things in the works? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we are starting to do a video version of it. So that's available on our YouTube channel, Sims complete. And then I also coach uh, and mentor quarterbacks in the uh, tri-state area that are focused on New Jersey, New York and, and Connecticut. Uh, but, uh, you know, right now actually have have QBs, you know, all over the country. Even Chad Kelly uh, is, quote unquote, one of my students, even though we're about the same age. Um, and, and Chad Kelly is doing an unbelievable job right now in, in the CFL and he's up for the MVP of the league. Um, so he he is, uh, you know, a part of our Sims complete QB family that we we coach and mentor. And we're so grateful for that opportunity to share those lessons that we learn with the next generation of quarterbacks. What do you think of now college football with, you know, the ability to make money as a player? What is your thoughts on that? You wish it happened when you were around, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of players like myself that are definitely uh, have that sentiment. At the same time, what's I think unfortunate for players in, in one degree is that it is taking away from the amateurism of the sport. And, and as soon as you start accepting money for play, 
uh, expect the criticism of your play to be ramped up another notch. You know, I think we're very uh, harsh on the way that we critique NFL football players, uh, much more so than, than in college football. But the more and more you see college players make more money, I feel like you're going to start to see that same rhetoric to that level, which is uh, which is going to be difficult because those young men are 18, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, you know, going through a lot, you know, being a student athlete is a tremendous task. Being a student athlete at Division One football school at a power five school, nonetheless, is, is an enormous task. So uh, it will be interesting to see how uh, all those things play out because we kind of just let Pandora's box open and, and we'll see, you know, what the repercussions of that are. I mean, there's great things to it, but there will obviously be some negatives as well. Well, uh, Matt, what's, what's your daily routine to keep your, uh, self mentally and physically, uh, sharp? Oh man. Well, right now I, I am a, a young father. I have a two-year-old son and, uh, that dude, he is running around and going crazy. So he's the one that's definitely keeping me young and agile and, uh, uh, you know, keeping me on my toes, so to speak. So, uh, but yeah, just, you know, I still train like I'm a player. Uh, I still prepare, you know, for our show as if I was a player trying to watch as much film as possible and stay in the news and, and then also kind of have my own perspective on it from being a former player. Um, and then just, uh, you know, the typical things, reading and, and and trying to learn more, you know, about myself as an individual and then all the things that uh, I find interesting outside of football that that give me, I think, a un unique perspective as a coach and, and teacher of the sport. Definitely does. And it seems like you're you you're very your your wealth knowledge beyond your age right now, especially. And I bet you when you work with all these quarterbacks are like, you know, you're still very young, but yet no, so no, so much. Do you see yourself coaching in an even higher level at one point? As it's, well, it's definitely something that I've considered. Um, it, it's something that I've discussed even with my wife extensively uh, on numerous times. And, and it really, unfortunately, kind of comes to fortunately and unfortunately kind of comes to that same thing. Uh, I'm just not willing to kind of sacrifice that much time uh, it, to go into that world, uh, you know, because when you are a coach, uh, I don't know if you saw Mike McDaniel and his interview that he did on ESPN a few weeks ago. But I mean, that guy's at the facility at four o'clock in the morning and he's breaking down film and he's not getting back home until seven, eight o'clock at night. And uh, to be away from my son and to be away from my family for that extended period of time, uh, you know, I'm just not willing to make uh, that great of a sacrifice uh, for the sport right now. But maybe when he gets older and a little bit more mature, uh, maybe I'll dive back into it. But uh, the the coaching and mentoring uh, on the own private side of Sims Complete and doing the podcast and other things like that are are working for me just fine right now. Okay. If um if you had the attention of the entire planet for 30 seconds, I mean, everybody <laughs> on the entire planet's watching you. They're tuned in to Matt Sims. <laughs> what would you say? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, it's something that I, you know, for, for a lot of the things that I do as far as our show, the way that I, that I think and, and coach too, uh, I'm not like a huge over planner. Um, I do like to speak from my heart. I do like to speak uh, within the moment. So I can't really encapsulate what I would say in, in that moment right there. But I know that I would uh, try to be, like I said earlier, as authentic as I possibly could be, 
speak from the heart, speak about something that I'm passionate about and uh, and hopefully have some good dialogue with someone else, too, that that feels the same way about what we're talking about. Well, he's definitely well media trained, Greg. Now you oh, yeah. Gonna answer this question. <laughs> take a second to answer, but Greg asks all of our celebrity guests as we interview all walks of life uh, in celebrity, especially in, and also we see a lot of them entrepreneurs, right? Greg, go ahead with your question. Right. Yeah. yeah, so I, I love to ask people this question, you know, because it, it helps me grow. You know, um, I'm a couple years older than you, but uh, I'm always learning. That's uh, that's important. So, so Matt, what's the most important thing you feel you've ever learned? Ooh, yeah, that is a good one. Something that I, I feel like I've really applied uh, as, as a football player, uh, as a coach, and, and that's what's great about the position of quarterback too, uh, that you you are that quote-unquote extension of the coach on the field, and you you do communicate more so than, than a lot of other positions as far as you know what, what the goal of the play is, how to accomplish that goal, how to speak to a different individual because – they they rise or fall depending on how you speak to them and being aware of that specific person. And, uh, you know, one thing that I really appreciated and tell my students all the time is, you know, you learn something, then go and teach someone who knows nothing about it. And when you teach something about that subject, you'll learn more about that subject. And then that cyclical nature of that just continues to improve the individual themselves, but also the people around you, because the more that I teach, the more that I learn and the more that I learn, the better the teacher I become. So that's something that I think is a huge sentiment that I've learned through football. And I've been fortunate enough to, to uh, continue to pass that along to, to the next generation. Fantastic. It's, cool. it's such a great thing, Matt, best place people can find information on you and Sims complete is go where? Yeah, Sims Complete. We're uh, on YouTube. You can find us there. We're also available on Apple, uh, Spotify, iHeart, anywhere where podcasts are available. Uh, and that's with my father, Big Phil, Phil Sims. You can see him on Instagram and Twitter. And then uh, I'm on Sims Complete on Instagram and Twitter. So uh, please tune in and check us out. Appreciate it, Matt. It was great awesome. stuff. Thanks for stopping by. Take yeah, care thank now. you so much. Uh, appreciate so, yeah, it, John. Have a good one. That was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Take care, guys. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Neil. How about you? How was the week? Man, I'm doing the week's great, and our guest today is Matt McChesney, and I'm all excited because he's a CU Buffalo. I'm a Colorado Buffalo fan. The whole push with Dion happening now and I, I the Buffalo's resurgence so amazing but he also is going to talk about many different things Matt thanks for stopping by former NFL player and also played for the Broncos so again one of my favorite teams next to the Steelers how are you Matt man I'm great thanks for having me on guys uh, I love the show and I, I'm, I should have like put a suit on I feel underdressed I mean shit you guys look good I ain't got much to pick it up over here all right, so let's just jump right into it. Matt. Why did you want to become an, a football player? What was your dreams of why you did that? Okay, I love that question. Uh, look, I ask this question almost every day at my academy. Six Zero Football Academy here in Denver. We've been open for 12 years, and I was in there this morning at 5 a.m. doing a consult with a kid who says he wants to play college football, and the first thing I asked him is, well, why do you play? And, that you know, I, know, I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, but I got an answer. Um I didn't get to play until I was in high school. So my pops didn't let me play until I was a freshman in high school. So 
<clears throat> when I figured out, and it was early, I was big, strong, and fast, and I really loved it. And I think my pops did it on purpose, like wouldn't let me play because he knew it just pissed me off. And when I got to high school and I figured out that I could tape up these, and these are weapons, these are not mitts, these are weapons. When I could tape these and I would get to go to school for free and potentially play in the NFL and live my dreams and then have, have football set me up for the rest of my life, I was in. I'm a thousand percent in. And I, I love the physicality of football. I love the fact that I can make eye contact with somebody uh, even through the shield and through the glasses and know that I got a beat when they look at the ground. I, I think that it's one of, you know, an alpha's male's last refuge where you can actually go be the animal you are, even if it is for just three hours a day. So I love the game, man. I, my life has been dedicated to it and, that's a great damn question, bro. Like, why, why play football? Because I get to eviscerate people. That's why, brother. All right. Go, Greg. Greg's going to ask him really interesting questions because Greg comes up, pulls some out-of-the-box questions. Go, Greg. Come I was going to ask Greg. you what motivated you when you played football, but I think you made that pretty clear, uh, you know, in, in your first answer, uh, which is for sure. Um, what do you miss playing about football now besides being able to be an animal for three hours? Um, the camaraderie, you know, and I, I try and replicate that at the facility and with the, with six-year equipment too, it's all big family atmosphere, but the locker room, the boys, you know, that you, you can't get that back once, once it's gone, it's gone. So that, that's a big part of it, but pregame, I mean, I, I, I look, I, I don't know how people, there's some people out there that just don't like music and I'm not one of them. So the pregame for me was always. You know, it's just you and your tunes and getting ready to go to battle. And pregame is just, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it right now, man. It's its something that is, it's impossible to replicate. There's no other feeling like it. You know, the, <clears throat> the national anthem, like my senior year, we played at Kyle Field uh, in 04 uh, against A&M. And before the game, like, you know, first President Bush flipped the coin and they ran they flew two B-52s like opposite each other that broke opposite wow. each other. The fucking place is shaking. The shit <laughs> falling off of the troughs. Like it was insane. And then, you know, to have that happen again in the NFL multiple times, like to be on the sideline with the Jets opening day in Kansas City and here and the home of the Chiefs. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit. I didn't know they were going to do that. So pregame is unlike anything. It's it's. There's other sports that have good pregame rituals, but nothing like football. And whether you're a fan or a media member or a player or a coach, it's a different experience for all of us. And, I mean, that that shit got me going, bro. Gets me going now. I'm about to jump through the phone and tie that tie. <laughs> see, see I, 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 I like that. I love your energy, uh, Greg. Uh, you know, when you talk about being an undrafted free agent, and yep. you went through the NFL Europe. So it was a different route. And yep. that, again, I think teaches what you work with kids today is it's not an easy process. Even though you played Division One college football for a great college football team, it doesn't guarantee you you're going to go right to the NFL. And I think you're telling teaching these kids that. Tell us that journey. Yeah, so... You know, my journey was crazy. I you know, I play. I was the first commit of my class at CU in 2000 and helped Coach Barnett bring in a really good class. And in 04, when I was a senior, 
uh, there was a huge scandal at CU with like Katie Nida and like female kicker and coach Barnett got suspended and none of us got invited to the combine. Nobody got drafted. Like it, it was a black ball year essentially. Right. And like, as a senior, when you have 60 tackles and seven sacks of three technique, that's draftable. Like that's, that's, that's top in the country stuff. So that motivated me and pissed me off proper. And then, you know, the hardships of this game and overcoming them is kind of really the point of it. Um, going undrafted put me in a situation in St. Louis where I walked in, but they didn't draft any defensive linemen. So I'm an undrafted player, but I'm like the draft pick in the room. So I had worked myself into this too deep only to come home. The breaks are different now, but back in the day, you know, St. Louis, the Rams were in a place called Earth City, and we would get five days off. So, or five weeks. So after OTAs and training camp and before the buildup, you get five weeks to go home. So I came back out here. I'm from here. My parents, uh, we own a huge piece of property up in Boulder called Triple Creek Ranch. And I got West Nile virus two days before I was supposed to, to get back to camp. And I like, they found me on the floor in convulsions. I was in the hospital. They cut me by mail. Like, Hey, you can't come to camp even though I'm like in the hospital on a ventilator, if they didn't even call me. So that was my first indication of what the NFL really is. When I got picked back up by the Jets, like week six, I was so goddamn motivated and so <laughs> like emotional about it because I was being told by everybody to stop playing, go get a real job. And I'm not a real job type. So I put all my eggs in this basket and I was determined to make it work. You know, like, going to the Jets and then being asked to change positions after my second training camp, having Tannenbaum and Bill Callahan and Eric Mangini sit me down and say, do you want a job or do you want to play nose tackle? And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And they're like, you're a guard. And I'm like, cool. And they're like, you don't need to talk to your agent. And I'm like, what, is he going to play guard? What, what am I going to talk to him about? So I want a job. You told me I have to play guard. That's what we're doing. So I, I got the opportunity to play both ways in the National Football League, which gave me my master's degree in football, which makes me an incredibly good coach and developer of talent because I was average. I was just an average player. I got hurt a lot. It, it wasn't the NFL was not really a dream. It could have been a nightmare, but I turned it into Alice Wonderland, bro. Like it's it's how you look at it. So it, all, all the adversity and the injuries going to Europe. That was incredible, by the way. All the Frankfurt games, great idea, NFL, you like money. Um, it, it all taught me how to, you know, really ground myself, get rid of pride and ego, coach hard, use the knowledge that I have to help the next generation. And it's worked, man. And in 12 years at uh, Six Zero Football Academy, we put 500 guys into school, countless NFL players from Ryan Jensen to McGovern to – Austin Slotman and Billy Turner and, you know, Quinn Bailey, just offensive and Mike Pinnell, Chad Muma, guys all over the board, all over the NFL. And the one consistent with all of them is they're all great players and they're all NFL guys and college football players. But the little dash of madness that I can throw in there from 6-0, I'd like to think that that, that helps all of them. So, you know, long, long answer to a short question. Um, it, it's been pretty interesting to say the least. Yeah, very cool. So, Matt, a uh, couple of questions back to back, kind of all blend together. Um, one was the the year that you stopped playing, and then which business did you start first, and what made you pick that one? All right, so I stopped playing in 2010. I retired in in, in 10 after an off the field injury that 
was that was terrible. So I broke my leg for like the sixth time and it was just, I had injury waivers and it was just time. Um, I started six year old football Academy about a year later after I went back to school and got my degree. And it was, you know, my, I was sitting there one day with my pops who's passed now. And he was like, why don't you go after the high school kids and help them rather than trying to focus your business around professionals and college football players. And I sure am glad that we did that route because there's nothing harder than trying to convince a college kid who thinks he's in the NFL or an NFL guy who thinks that it doesn't stand for not for long that they need to work harder. But a high school kid who's hungry for the opportunity and will actually get up in the morning and go earn it and invest, that is, that's pure power right there. So that's the future in your hands. And if you mold it correctly, you get, you know, some badasses that are out there all over college football doing, doing their thing. So we, you know, we've been doing that for 12 going on 13 years and we put about 500 kids in college. And then about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was trying to do it before COVID, but it just didn't work out. We started six zero equipment and six zero equipment.com. It's a blocking shield. And I'll actually, when we get done, I'll send you guys a bunch of stuff on it and videos. You can go on Twitter at six zero equipment on Instagram at six zero equipment and see what it is. But it's like, look in football, all the big guys use these like little triangle shields that I don't know any offensive and defensive linemen that are that small. So I came up with the idea that this blocking bag is probably five times the size of that. It's really hard to get off the ground from a leverage perspective. You can double team it, pass rush it. So it's called the six zero body bag because that's where I want to put our opponents in a body bag. So we dig the trench with that at six zero equipment.com. And look, I, I just, my entire life I've, I've had a problem with sitting back and waiting and being patient. So that's good for an entrepreneur because I don't have time to waste. So when I got out of the NFL, I decided to use the gift that I had of knowledge and knowing both sides of the ball, being able to coach and wanting to be in it still, but just physically not being able to. Um, And it's worked out pretty great, man. So on top of six year Academy and six year equipment, the, you know, zero to 60 podcast has taken off and, I'm just I'm I'm very blessed and very lucky to uh be able to, you know, take the gift of football and give it. Right. Now Greg has a question he asks every one of our celebrity guests and Greg go ahead with the question. I do. I do, but I want to ask him one more, one more okay. before I do that. Neil, it, you know, Matt, what what are the one three five things whatever it is that you do every day consistently that you call it your morning routine, your your afternoon routine, whatever it is that, you know, makes, you know, McChesney McChesney, you know, to drive yourself and keep yourself going and, and being at peak performance as you are. Uh, well, number one, I, I stay away from the negative influences of life. I haven't had a drink in 15 years. I don't, you know, there's no drugs. There's, it's a very clean, sober house. Um, and I, you know, my 13 year old son, Nick is a eighth grader. He's six, three, two sixty. We're at the gym every day at 5.00 AM. Cause he wants to be, I'm not pushing him. He walked up to me and said, dad, I want to do this. Can you get me a scholarship too? And I was like, shit, yeah, I can get you a scholarship. Let's go to work. So, you know, on top of just being, you know, clean and, and happy about it. Um, I, I'm a 4.00 AM riser, bro. Like every day. Like you might get me to sleep till six on a Sunday, maybe, but we're at the gym at seven. So I make a point and it's not every day. I'd say if there's 365, 363, I'm out of bed at 4 a.m. That's really my thing is 
I, I started my career in New York and at 6 a.m. in New York when they're getting out of bed and that Wall Street bell's ringing. Well, it's 4 a.m. here and ain't nobody getting two hours jump on me. So I want to make sure that I'm up and at them when people are up and at them. And I, it, it's something that I really pride myself on because I know people say that they get out of bed every day, you know, ready to go. But I, I really do. So that I'd say that that's the main thing. And then something simple like, do you make your bed every day? Like it's really simple things like that. It, it just, it teaches consistency on a level that, you know, if you did it, if you do it when you're 15, you'll do it when you're 45. So, you know, it's a little like kind of corny things, but I really think that those things go a really long way in helping you kind of figure out how to take the more big complex things and do the same exact thing with them and not overthink the process. Got it. Neil, did you have another one? Are you ready for me to go? No, I'm ready to go with the, your your big question. All right. Go ahead. All right, Matt. This has been a real honor and a, a privilege to speak with you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You I'm going to ask you a question for myself. I ask this of every celeb that we have and, uh, you know, NFL athlete and so on. Um, it's for myself, but also for my listeners. You know, Matt, what would you say is the most important thing in life that you've ever learned? Uh, that forgiveness is for you. That's the most important thing I've ever learned. That the anger and animal that I carried around for from 13, 14 years old to 30 years old, it helped me, but it also hurt me. So when I figured out, you know, post NFL, post, you know, football, that holding grudges and vindiction and things of that nature, that doesn't affect the other person. That affects you. And if I could give any advice to, to people out there, everyone, it's that forgiveness is for you. The bigger man is the way to go. Pride and ego as a man, especially, will take you down a fucking road that you can't recover from a lot of the times. So letting go of of things that hold you down even though you know you're in control of it so you know if, if somebody did you wrong and you carry that around for 10 years do you actually think the person that did you wrong is carrying that shit around no they're not even thinking about it they don't even know that you don't like them so if i could give advice to anybody out there anyone listening anybody watching this just it's okay to say I was wrong to ask for forgiveness and to give it uh, and, and actually mean it and then forgive yourself and move forward and understand that usually your biggest enemy is the voice in your head. So that I guess that would be the, the man that I've learned in my 42. Awesome. Thank you. Now, Matt, last question. What do you yeah. think of the rise of the Colorado Buffaloes are? Are you been going to some games and, been uh what's happening like the whole just media rise of with Dion and everything with the buffaloes what are your thoughts well look sitting at four and five is not where we wanted to be that stanford loss hurt <laughs> but all things considered being up there last year and talking to a team before the cow game when they were just getting eviscerated and looking at those men last year and how defeated they were and just the one in 11 team that was in Boulder last year was maybe the worst college football team I've ever seen. Even though there were some really good players on it, that's a fact. 
just to see Coach Prime come in and the way that he's done things, the way the excitement around the program. I mean, I'm there all the time. Again, my son, Nicholas McChesney, is getting recruited already. He's been to many games. They're always bringing up the Dungeon family guys from 6-0 to get them recruited and whatnot. Talent Chandler's one of the commits up there, big offensive lineman. So, you know, it. I'm I'm pretty interwoven with the program, and I'm there all the time, and I bleed black and gold. I love that place to death. So to see it back on a national stage the way I think we should be is awesome. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a very religious guy by any means, but I do remember like two years ago praying to the God of skinny punks that <laughs> we can get out of the Pac-12 and that we become relevant, and now we You've done it. Coach Prime is the head coach. We're headed back to and you know, like that that happens. So maybe I start going to church on Sunday. Um, I, I'm just I'm so elated with the direction of the program. I find the people that can't look past what's happening right now and understand that like how bad it's been up there. This is how this is how bad it's been, gentlemen. I'm 42 years old yesterday. Okay. I was a senior captain in 04, the only defensive player that was on the team as a senior. Everybody else is a baby. And that's the last time we won a bowl game in Boulder. So the last time we won a bowl game, my big ass was holding the trophy 21 years ago. That shit ain't cool. So that changes, I think. I don't know if they're going to make a bowl this year. I'd like to think they can win two or three, but Arizona's pretty tough. We're not beating Utah and Washington State and Pullman. That's never an easy game. So if they can figure out a way to get six, I think it's a monumental uh, task and he should be considered like coach of the year. But even if they're five and seven, I would not be surprised at all if they get a bull bed just because of the draw. Um, and then look, I do college football recruiting all day, every day. My, my call list right now for today is Colorado, Michigan, Kansas state, SMU, Washington, Washington state, Oregon, Oregon state, Boise, Kansas, BYU, Ohio State and Texas A&M. So that's what I have to do when I get off the phone with you guys trying to push these kids in the transfer portal and in the high school ranks to make sure the coaches see them before they evaluate them. Um, I I think what Coach Prime is doing from a recruiting standpoint is next level. The fact that so many people and so many kids are attracted to his message is exactly why you hire that guy. Um, When the hiring process was going on, I was on, you know, like the – player board or whatever it was me and bloom and clat and andre Drod and a couple other guys lance carl who's obviously the ad up there and i was talking to coach prime's people behind the scenes you know trying to facilitate this and i remember having the conversation with rick george the ad and saying you know all of us in no uncertain terms saying please go for greatness and don't go for comfort if you go hire bronco bronco mendenhall or you go hire you know, Brian Harson, we're going to do the same shit we've been doing. We may, we'll go, we'll go six and six one day. We'll go five and seven. It'll be great. But we're going to, on this hamster wheel we've been on, we're just going to stay on. And for Rick George to go out and hire Coach Prime, especially in Boulder, like, let's be real. For, I don't know how many times I heard this stupid narrative that like Boulder's racist and CU and all this stuff. And then I look up and the last three coaches that they've hired are all black men. So, like, there's a lot of different trends being broken in Boulder, and Coach Prime is a trend breaker. And I don't know if I could be more excited to have that man at the helm. And I I personally think that if you think – if you're excited about Colorado now, and I know you're a Buff fan, brother, I think we're in the playoff next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter or Shador win the Heisman next year. 
And I understand that they've got offensive line problems and they've got some issues they have to solve. But there's this thing out there called the transfer, the transfer portal. Oh, and they're all going to come. Yeah. Oh, they're coming, bro. Uh, it, I'm sure. It, I'm it, sure. It, and he took a couple away. years. But he took the same thing that took him a couple years when he was uh, coaching somewhere else, too. Well, we appreciate it. Best place again to go, Matt, is where? Uh, so you can check out everything at Six Euro Academy at on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, my co-host is Bree Macis 303. Make sure you check her out at the same uh, platforms. And then SixZeroEquipment.com is the body bag uh, company, the, the blocking shields for offensive and defensive line play. It's next level. So check that out if you want to donate one to your high school or you just want to get one for, you know, use of technique work with, with your with your son or daughter because football is pretty, uh, pretty national at the moment. Check that out, guys. And then the Zero to 60 podcast just started on the Bleed Network.